We live in uncertain times, and it seems like some, some days you feel like we're going to do, you know, get into World War III here with what is happening in Europe. So I put together something uh, that kind of interrupted my other podcast that I had planned called Righteous Rage. Is it okay to pray God's judgment on evil people? We're going to explore that question today on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And I want to talk to you today about something that's really kind of burning in my heart, and that is the idea of righteous rage. There's a reason why we as human beings feel this angst and this, this frustration with what is happening in the world. And what do you do when you feel rage because of the evil in the world? You see women and children being trafficked as if they were cattle. Uh, you hear stories of genocide of whole people groups, and, and, and you feel powerless to change anything. And then there are the stories of, of sexual abuse, stories you find out that it happened for years in this family or in this situation or even in a church. And the problem is, is that hatred doesn't change things. Revenge doesn't change things, unlike the movies where, you know, it always ends in revenge and everyone feels satisfied. It really doesn't work. It doesn't change the world. It doesn't bring justice. Guns and violence don't change it either, do they? So here's the question. Is it wrong to pray down curses on evil people? And hence, we're going to be talking about that today on this simple question, uh, on this simple talk on, on righteous rage today. And so, is it wrong to pray down curses on evil people? And I want you to think about for a minute your internal wiring, right? Your, in other words, your spiritual, psychological wiring. God has created us in such a way that we care, that most human beings care about what happens in the world. You feel the pain of others when you see it or, or, feel, or you know, experience it firsthand. And there's something in you very profound and deep that says that when you see something that's really wrong, that it's, it, it says to you, it screams from, from the deepest part of your spirit, this is wrong. And this is why when the world looks at Ukraine, it doesn't matter what religious background they have or non-religious background, they say this is wrong in every way. And I'm not really, a, you know, my purpose is not to talk about politics today. I want to talk about how the, how, how the scriptures respond to evil in the world when it is so rampant and so unrepentant that, that, it's, that you can't ignore it. And here's another question. Just because I feel that anger and that rage, does it make it okay for me to call down curses on evil people who seek the annihilation of, the whole, of whole nations? And let me just put it this way first. There's a difference between, say, uh, and let, let, me, let me pull this up here. There's a difference between being a Christian pacifist and a Christian pacifist. And pacifist, that was coined by one of my mentors who he used to edit uh, works by Charles Finney. He was a real smart guy, brilliant guy, Harry Kahn. I miss him. He's with, he's gone on to his reward. But there's a difference between a, a Christian pacifist and a, and a, and a Christian pacifist. And the, the point being that, that Christians are pacifists in a sense that Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, right? And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, 
you know, bless those who persecute you. If someone strikes you, show them the other cheek. We, we get all that, right? That's, that's in the scriptures. You can't deny that. But however, being a pacifist is different. A pacifist is someone who's able to live and tolerate the presence of evil and go about their merry way. That's the difference. In other words, it's almost like if you're, let's say you're a man and someone is trying to break into your house to, to just destroy your family. A pacifist would just kind of stay there and do nothing while they, while they you know, do awful things to your family. But a pacifist knows when to fight. They know when to stand up and say, hey, we're, we're, gonna, you know, we're not going to tolerate this. This is evil. We cannot tolerate evil. It's not personal. This is, this is evil, right? So, so hence, we have, we have the short answer I want to give you today. And the question again, I'll, I'll reiterate the question, is it wrong to call down curses on evil people or evil situations in the world? And the short answer is yes. And scripturally, yes. And when I say yes, I don't, you know, we're going to talk about for a few minutes about what the Old Testament says and what the New Testament says, but in short, the answer is yes. God has given us at least 16 different psalms of imprecation. Psalms of imprecation where uh, they're called imprecatory psalms, where either part or the whole psalm calls down curses on evil or evil people. And I have the psalms, I won't give them to you, but they're there, you know. And the, the term uh, imprecation means this. Imprecation is to curse or to predict, to wish to pray for or cause trouble or disaster on a person or a thing. In other words, imprecation is the opposite of blessing, of praying blessing on somebody. In this case, you're praying God's curses on them. And why are you doing that? It's important that you understand motive here. The first curse in the Bible was when God cursed the serpent, right, by saying, you're going to go out on your belly and you're going to be below all the beasts. Then he went on to pronounce a curse on Adam and Eve, right, pain and childbearing and uh, toil and sweat, you know, in your work and things like that. Those were the first curses. But then we have these other curses in different parts of Scripture and all over the Old Testament and some in the New Testament, but especially in the Psalms where, where, you find these, what, what, what maybe we can call psalms of imprecation, right? And again, imprecation means curse. Psalms where, where the, the person praying is asking God to curse their enemy or to curse the person who's causing all of this damage in the world. And basically, prayers of imprecation are prayers that are weaponized against evil. It's, it's God giving you permission to pray against evil, Right? And again, we're going to talk about motive in a minute because it's not as easy as it seems. Uh, I can't just wake up one morning and say, well, I don't like that guy, so I'm going to curse him, right? It, it doesn't work that way. Psalms of imprecation are prayers that call down destruction and calamity on God's judge and God's judgment on, on evil people, basically. And usually it, it, it's so clear that there's a consensus on evil. It, it isn't just, well, you think they're evil, so you're going to pray against them. It, it, it doesn't work that way. And you find in these in these uh, psalms of imprecation, you find four different facets, and and uh, they are uh, thanks to uh, someone who just wrote an article on Christianity Today. That I I, I garnered this from that from that, and I I don't have the, the person's name, but it might be on the slide. Uh, yeah, there it is on the slide. But um, but f- four things about these psalms of imprecation is they name the evil that is happening. That's the first thing they do. Second thing, they express outrage. 
So God's giving you a vent, right? Third, they give a voice to the victim who cannot speak. In other words, and usually the victim is the person praying. Uh, often David or Asaph prayed these prayers of imprecation. But lastly, they call for God to act. And so these are some components of these prayers of imprecation that are in the Bible. And now this doesn't, again, I want to keep saying this, so I don't want people to get the wrong idea that, that we can just do this with anybody or anything or when we get in a bad mood or, you know, it doesn't work that way. We find that, that with, with blessing and cursing, uh, there, there come a tension, right? There's this, there's this tension that we're going to talk about in a minute. But, but let me just say this one more thing about imprecation psalms. Imprecation psalms are designed to release God's people. And, and I think I may have something here for you. Imprecation psalms are designed to release God's people from rage and bitterness and the feeling of powerlessness in the face of evil. And it's so important we understand that, that they are, they are prayers that we are permitted to pray in context, right? And we find also this simple idea that, that now, now we talk about the idea of, of, of the tension here, of how the tension works, right? There's a tension of, of blessing and cursing, right? Because the opposite of, of imprecation is blessing, right? But there's this tension here between both of them. Because on the one hand, on the one hand, we love our enemies. Jesus said it, right? Though he, he taught us, love your enemies, right? But he also spoke imprecations himself when he was cleaning the temple. When he created a, a whip, a switch, basically. And he, and he really, like, gave it to these guys that were selling in the temple. And he says, my, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, or my house shall be called a house of prayer. And he was, you know... Uh, uh, when someone is thrown out of synagogue or the temple, that is a curse. That's anathema, man. You, you are done. So Jesus was cursing them when, they, when he was kicking them out of, out of there. So this was a big deal. That's why so many people were offended. So, so with that, I want to talk for a minute about the difference between uh, righteous and, un, and unrighteous rage. Righteous and unrighteous rage. And here we go right there. So... I want you to think about this for a minute as we talk about righteous and un unrighteous rage. In the Bible, right, there's, there's the idea of often where you hear about this God of anger and this God of judgment in the Old Testament. But so often people quote it out of context when they talk about it. But there's a righteous rage in all the Bible, but it's always based on, on passion for God and not on personal vengeance or, or vendetta, right? And if... Um, in the Old Testament times, among the Hebrews, a curse was valid only within a covenant between God and Israel. In other words, uh, when, when God had people recite the law, he said, okay, now we recite the blessing part, but now we're going to recite the cursing part. In other words, cursed is everyone who doesn't do the book of the law. So, so curses in, in the Old Testament were always based on within, within the culture of God and his covenant and, and his people. And, and we find uh, in the scriptures, Jeremiah, uh, you know, and, and of course, this is, righteous, this is righteous rage, an example here, but Jeremiah, uh, talking about this in a minute, but, but uh, Jeremiah prayed a curse over those who tormented him, and his prayer was based on the fact that God called him to be a prophet, and he was being persecuted for it. This wasn't personal, this wasn't like him being ticked off because people were, you know, annoying him. 
But he said, let those who pursue me be disgraced, and may I not be ashamed. And, and ashamed means disappointed. May they be terrified, and may I not be afraid. Bring an evil day upon them. Crush them with a doubtful, with a double wound. And any of us today can judge you know, each other and say, well, you know, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But I want you to think about what's happening in Ukraine right now and what's happened through millennia. People are being bombed out of existence. They've been driven from their homes. They, they've been, everything was taken away from them. And if, if you don't feel that rage, you'll never feel anything. So when people get angry like that, there's a righteousness to it that, we, that is beyond our understanding. And righteous rage has nothing to do, however, with being personally offended or insulted or even hurt when it comes to a Christian righteous rage, okay? Righteous rage is not a vengeful idea. Uh, it's not vengeful at its root, but has a bigger purpose in mind. And the purpose is the story that there is evil in the world and only God can make it right. So when we rage in the context of, of our relationship with God in modern times, we rage in that context of, Lord, there's evil in the world, are you going to fix it? And so righteous rage is, is based on God's justice, not my personal vengeance. It, it can never be personal. It's, it's always God's business, right? right? You've heard the saying. And we, we find that in the New Testament, righteous rage usually happens when God's kingdom when his name or his gospel is, is assaulted in some way, that's where there's righteous rage in the scriptures. And we find that in the scriptures, uh, the, the, uh, the Apostle Paul told this to Timothy. He talked about, uh, he talked about the, the church Timothy uh, ministered to. And Paul said this, By rejecting conscience, certain persons have suffered shipwreck in the faith. And in verse 20 says, Among them are... Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have turned over to Satan so that they may learn not to blaspheme. So, so is Paul doing this out of a sense of personal offense because, you know, they, they offended me? No, he's doing this because of the zeal of God, because of, of respect for God and reverence for God and the kingdom of God. And he's saying these people have blasphemed God and they, need, they, they have to be judged. So Paul pronounced a curse against anyone. In fact, in Galatians 1, anyone who who preached a different gospel than, uh, other than he preached or other than the, than the gospel of Christ in Galatians uh, 6, or rather 1, 1, 8. He says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we have proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. And that sounds mean, doesn't it? It sounds, it sounds like, like such a contrast to all right, what happened in loving your neighbors, right? The only time there was this tension pulling back is when there is rage against the kingdom and God's purpose. That's when, when there's a deal breaker here. And so, so that's, that's righteous. That's righteous rage. But then there is what we call unrighteous rage. Now, unrighteous rage, I want you to think about this for a second. Unrighteous rage... Unrighteous anger is about winning against your enemy, right? It's about, well, I'm going to get them back. Or I want to make them suffer because of what they did to me. And this kind of anger can have pride and, and revenge behind it. It is not the kind of, of rage that we talk about in the scriptures, right? And usually in the scriptures, 
when, when there's rage, there's rage for someone else, especially in the New Testament, other than myself, so to speak. And in other words, people see the evil happening in, in the world for, to someone else, and, and they are ra- enraged by that. And this kind of anger can have pride, uh, uh, r- rather, uh, unlike the unrighteous anger, it, it doesn't have pride or vengeance behind it, but the unrighteous anger has pride and vengeance and the idea of winning. I, I want to win. And that's why the book of Proverbs talks about this displaced rage that has no basis to it whatsoever. In Proverbs uh, 26.2, where he says this, he says, like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, an undeserved curse goes nowhere. In other words, unrighteous rage <clears throat> doesn't have a foundation, so it doesn't go anywhere. It just flies away. It, it, it doesn't really uh, do anything. Uh, so, so <clears throat> excuse me, there I had a cough and I had to mute it for a second there. But, so where, where's the balance in all this? Maybe you're, you're wondering, you know, Maybe you're hearing this or watching this and you're saying, I'm really angry uh, as to what's happening in Ukraine. I- I'm really upset about what's happening in Ukraine. And why isn't there justice? You know, why isn't America stepping in and all these things? And why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God, why isn't God permitting this, right? And so there's balance that has to happen there. there there's balance that has to happen there. And But where's the balance? What happens to the balance, right? And... Uh, let me just give it to, give it to you this way. In this light here, Ephesians four talks about the idea that uh, you know Paul is speaking to the church to be angry, but do not go to bed bitter against people who have wronged you, right? Who, who did wrong things, right? And often, you know, they use this to teach couples about marriage, but this is about everything. You can go to bed angry at Putin. Right, and you can be so upset and bitter that it becomes unhealthy rage that has nothing to do with God. So Paul says, "So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger." And then, verse twenty-seven is a real clincher here. He says, "Do not make room for the devil." Think about this. What a powerful scripture that we give place, you know, unrighteous rage gives place to the devil in your heart. It allows him to come in and allow that rage to go and take a sharp left to a wrong place. However, righteous rage always leaves room for redemption. It always has room for redemption and always has room for hope. And so, I want to read to you uh, quickly before we get done a psalm of imprecation, right? A psalm that calls down curses, just to give you an example, so that we can we can uh, you know look at this. But but uh, and, and this psalm, by the way, is very powerful. Uh, and when you see it, you'll see what I mean. He says this, and this is I, I think this is a psalm of David. But he says, "To you, O Lord, I cried out. Oh, oh my God, do not pass in silence over me, lest you pass in silence over me, and I." will be like the one who goes down to the pit. And then he says, Give ear to the voice of my supplication when I pray to you, when I raise up my hands to you, to your holy temple. And then he says, 
He goes on to say this in verse 3. He says, Do not draw together my soul with sinners and with those working injustice. Do not destroy me together with the ones who speak peace with their neighbor but have evil things in their hearts. Give to them according to their works and according to the wickedness of their practices. Give to them according to to the works of their hands. Repay their recompense to them. And so, that's just an example, and there's, there's more to this psalm, but l- let me just say this, that, that we're living in a time where there's a lot of anger going around and frustration. And the question is, how will you pray your prayers of imprecation? Will you, will you pray them according to the Scriptures? Will you pray them in a righteous sense of, of saying, Lord, I pray, you know, I, I, uh, I want you to, I want you to deal with Putin or kill him, you know. Um, in the New Testament, there's always space for redemption. Uh, when Jesus came, there's always space for redemption. It isn't all just hopelessness where you're like, just kill the guy and get him out of there, you know, just like the movies, right, where the bad guy dies and it's it's all black and white. Jesus loves his enemies. Always remember that. And he always loves, even the worst person in the world, he loves and he gives them a chance for redemption. So we always hope and pray that there could be redemption with people like Putin. But on the other hand, we need to pray justice on Putin, that, that he be held accountable both by governments but also by God, that God will deal with him appropriately. So if you like this podcast, please leave a like and recommend it to a friend. Until next time, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you and take care.